G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be discussing the strengths and weaknesses of Aussie Christians with a focus on our skills and our passion for evangelism. How many times have you sat through a teaching or a seminar about how to share your faith but realised that there is a missing ingredient? Well, we may have uh, perhaps all met someone who is exuberantly overflowing with passion to serve God's mission and lead others to Christ. And if you have these people in your church, if they are your friends, they are like treasure. Of course, there's always going to be those in church who have either no inclination, no training and no motivation to share their faith. And sometimes that's just that's just par for the course where people are at. And so they're in need of getting a little boost when it comes to their understanding of evangelism. Then there are those who seem to know what their faith means, but there's a lack of a spark that makes them passionate about winning the lost. So how do we harness both the skills to share our faith and the passion for winning souls? Can you just turn on a switch? Or is there a process or is there a routine that's necessary? Well, perhaps it's of little use mastering the message and fine-tuning techniques if there's a lack of passion. Well, today our special guest, Stu Miller, evangelism trainer and founder of Train to Proclaim, is back with us. And as I say, and we've had a number of these over the years, a heart-to-heart conversation about sharing our faith. Stu Miller, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be here. Hey, Stu, last time we had you in, it was during the month of May. And uh, just reflecting back, and uh, it does seem like quite a while ago now, but in May, uh, that's like a prime time around the world uh, for people getting excited about sharing their faith. And uh, they call it Go Month, a global outreach month. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you got any sort of update? How did things go? Wow. Well, um, we know last year there was 54 million Christians involved, reaching over 350 million people with the gospel. And so this year, I think, is bigger. Now, we haven't got the statistics in yet, so maybe later in the year when I'm back on, I can give you some statistics. But we're having some wonderful stories coming out of many, many nations of the world about God doing incredible things, many, many people coming to Christ. And uh, it makes sense, doesn't it, when we're, there's a lot of gospel proclamation the gospel's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So it, it's, uh, it, it doesn't take a lot. Of, you don't need to be rocket scientists to know that if the gospel's being proclaimed, people are going to get saved and, and their, their whole eternity is, in, is changed, which is such a wonderful thing. So, yeah, some tremendous things happen and great things happening locally here in Australia as well. 
And it's good to have a focus during the year, mm. and it's why we have seasons for various focuses, even in church life. But to have May as a global outreach month, yes. it gives you that sort of focus that says, okay, time to get prepared uh, to be a part of something that there's a bigger lot of people than just me or my little community uh, that are doing all around the world. And so we're global outreach month, the month of May, uh, so big, statistics still coming in and know that they'll come in uh, probably as the year goes on That's and right. a lot of countries in the world, a yep. lot of uh, statistics to analyse. And yep. when you say more than 50 million people participated, That's right. uh, this is it is huge. And so mm. we will be looking forward to uh, some more detail in that update. Yeah. Hey, no doubt we can talk endlessly about evangelism techniques Mm -hmm. and uh, we tend not to just talk about evangelism techniques when you and I are chatting about these things Uh, it sometimes falls on deaf ears Uh, Mm -hmm. even some people say oh it's another evangelism conversation I've heard all about that before but that that is potentially the person who we might be talking to today Mm -hmm. because there may be some level of a missing ingredient in our lives and the way we think about outreach. Mm. What are your thoughts about the sorts of ingredients that might need to be in the individual to actually make things work? Well, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I, I wish that I had a magic pill that I could give someone that would get, make them passionate about reaching those who don't know Jesus. And uh, But there is no such pill available to my knowledge. <laughs> uh, it seems to be that often evangelism is caught and not taught. And so the passion comes when you actually are connecting with non-Christians and hearing their stories and seeing where they're at and where they're heading for and there's a compassion that comes upon you and that's when the passion for for sharing your faith seems to rise up it doesn't seem to rise up so much just in our own you know praying or at church or things like that i mean definitely we can get inspiration from others who have, are out there doing it uh, and from stories uh, but often uh, you know it comes from actually being out doing evangelism or watching someone else do evangelism, and that's when the, the passion comes. Let me identify something here right at the beginning in what you share mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not actually connecting with people enough we're not. to actually make those opportunities come mm-hmm. to pass. Yes. And uh, this is one of the big challenges because you say, well, if I'm in really involved in the mm. processes and the, the the things that are happening in church life, and uh, everyone's keeping me so busy, I'm out four nights a week, and then right. the I'm other so three, I you know, church. I'm so busy with church, That's and right. I've got lots of great church friends yeah. that I am not actually mm. engaged with other people who are not of my faith persuasion. This well, is a problem, where, isn't when it? When have I got time, Neil, to reach the lost? I'm so busy with church life and my church friends. And some are going to say, well, shouldn't it be like that uh, to be separated from the world Mm. uh, because of fear of getting soiled by the things of the world? But is this one of the issues here that might actually be dampening our passion? Well, I think it is. I think, um, you know, statistically, um, Christians, by the time they've been a Christian for two years, have pretty much lost contact with most of their non-Christian friends. And the only non-Christians they have contact is any family members or workmates that, uh, you know, they're the only only sort of two area uh, groups of, of uh, non-Christians that they're still in contact with. Most have lost non-Christian contact because they've 
got immersed in a church and new friends. And to some degree, that's great for discipleship, for learning about God, for not being distracted or you know being tempted into things that they perhaps could have been tempted into. And for some, for some people, particularly if they're coming out of a really radical situation where there's a lot of alcohol or drugs or things that are addictions that, that, that can pull them back into that life, there needs to be some sort of a cut in order to you know to make that step to follow Jesus. But for most of us, making that cut uh, actually cuts us off from opportunities to share Christ. Now, Neil, you'll know that you know who, who's the Christians that seem to be the most passionate about sharing their faith. A new Christian. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> yep, right. Yep. And it's the people who have just come to Christ because they've got all these people around them, and they, they realise. I've found Jesus. This is amazing. He's changed my life. I'm going to heaven. I've got an eternity ahead of me. Uh, these other people don't. They've got to come under judgment. They, they don't know God. They haven't experienced this incredible thing. I've got to tell them all. And they've got a whole lot of people that they can tell. Now, they may not have the wisdom or the experience or the theological knowledge that, that most Christians have had, you know, other Christians have, have got. But they have got the passion, and it's because there's still that connection. And as soon as we lose that connection, unfortunately, sometimes we lose that passion. Okay, you've raised something here, and uh, perhaps for some listeners, it identifies a contradiction that we've got to deal with here. Mm. And so uh, I'll just bring this in, and listeners might have their own thoughts on this, but when you do make that break Mm -hmm. and you involve yourself in church life because you are what you would say, putting myself through a level of discipleship. That's right. But isn't evangelism one of the elements that ought to be a part of our discipleship? So when we talk about a contradiction here, it's Mm -hmm. this idea of uh, cutting yourself off Mm -hmm. so that you can be discipled, but this evangelism element is certainly a part of that discipleship. Well, Jesus certainly discipled uh, his disciples on the road. They, they, you know, they were, they were living life amongst the people. They were out there. They were speaking with people. They they weren't cut off. He didn't take them to a separate place in the outbacks of Nazareth and and you know to some cave and say, right, we're going to spend two years here, just you know, getting uh, cutting off from the world and and getting right with God. No, he he lived life with people. Uh, in their their normal environments, and I I think it's the same for us. We've got to get away from this concept. We've got to push away all of our non-Christian contacts and friends in order to be discipled. And I think, Neil, for me, it's been a passion for a long time. Um, What I do as an evangelist is primarily discipleship. Now, that may be very surprising for for listeners because they think, hang on, you're an evangelist, aren't you evangelizing? Well, I am, but the majority of what I'm doing is training Christians in how to share the gospel which is part of the discipleship process. And I would argue it's the, the thing that's that's needed most in the discipleship process. Uh, well, not, not so much needed most, uh, let me rephrase that, uh, lacking the most in our discipleship programs. We, we teach people how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to worship, how to, uh, the importance of fellowship, of, of what communion is, what baptism is, what, you know, a fellowship, you know, all these different things that we teach them. But the thing that seems to be lacking is, Christians learning what is the gospel and how can I proclaim the gospel with non-church people in a language that they will understand. And uh, that seems to be a massive lack in the church. As I travel around, I often ask this question. I say, put up your hand today if you if you feel that you could actually articulate the historic gospel message that Jesus commanded us to proclaim. And normally I can count on one hand the number of hands that go up. Maybe that they think I'm going to get them up the front or something, Neil. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, 
<laughs> Come and show us how it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know, sometimes I say I'm not going to get you to do anything, and I still get the same response. Not many people feel confident. And if you're a viewer today, uh, listener today, you know, can you? Uh, do you know what the gospel is? Can you articulate the gospel clearly? and lovingly to a non-church person. And if the answer is no, then I would encourage you that that's a, a lack in your discipleship, one area that you need to, to learn and grow in. Let's talk about uh, what we think of as this evangelism process for a moment. I came across a nice little quote a little earlier, and uh, and it was broadening the idea because sometimes we think, Oh, you have a little four-point plan, and then you say to someone, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? And they say yes, and then you pray a sinner's prayer. That's uh, that's the typical way that some people will think of what the evangelism process is. Sure. But there's an interesting definition I picked up. Evangelism is the combination of the words we plant that God may use at any point to draw a person to himself. In other words, uh, there might be numerous conversations, numerous words and seeds planted in a person's life before that point comes when God actually grabs you by the heart and says, come and follow me. Uh, There's a certain sense in which there are lots of things shared which are beyond just the elements of the gospel message. Any thoughts here? I would probably agree and disagree with that. (laughs) You're allowed to. (laughs) And the reason for that is, uh, strictly speaking, the the definition of evangelism is proclaiming the gospel. It's actually verbalizing the gospel to someone, communicating the gospel message. So it's not just anything that we say that will draw someone close. But at the same time, I would acknowledge that it's a journey that someone's on. And sometimes it is us just saying that little thing. Uh, that will take them another step closer in that journey to coming to Christ. But at some stage, they've got to hear a clear explanation of the gospel message in order to know how to be saved. Because the gospel explains why we need to be saved, how Jesus came to save us, and what we need to do in order to be saved. And until people have that knowledge, you know, they're not going to uh, understand how to be saved by osmosis or by good works uh, that a Christian's done, or a, a little thing that they've said to them. Um, it's very important. All those things are important you know, on the journey, but evangelism's that moment in time where you can actually clearly articulate what it means to be saved. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. You can help where, direct where our conversation goes today, 1-800-316-316. We are talking about the ingredients to what it takes to be a passionate soul winner, being involved in the process of evangelism. And Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is with us and ready to go in all sorts of directions, 1-800-316-316. Uh, or you can respond to that Facebook question that says, is there anything you can identify in Aussie Christians that keeps them from being passionate about sharing their faith with others? Find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call. Cindy is in Wangaratta in Victoria. Hello, Cindy. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Cindy. Um, I often want to share um, my faith so that um, people can get into heaven because I know it's heaven or hell and there's no in between. There's no purgatory where it would be nice if you could pray people into the heaven, but you know, apparently you've got to make the choice before you die. But I've tried it on the family plenty of, well, not, not that often because they're not really receptive. And I 
they look at my life and say, well, look at your life. <laughs> you're not really acting like a Christian, so why should we follow what you say? And you're not answering our questions properly. And I point them to go to church to get their questions answered properly, but they don't want to sit in church. I said, I'll go there too. They don't want to sit there with me. <laughs> but I'm not confident, and um, I get confused when I share uh, the salvation prayer and then I think oh, even though I've said it they can think on it and they might um, they might say it to themselves later um, and then God might sow the seeds of one person and another person and then but I feel like it's an empty base so, you know I've, they're looking at me and um, yeah I'm not really confident in the, the, a lot of areas in God um, but I know that's that's the most reliable one out of all the religions. It's the one that adds up to history and all that. Cindy, I love your absolute honesty. You know, uh, your honesty is just wonderful, and I know other listeners uh, will be able to hear that too because no doubt uh, so many of us have felt the same challenges and uh you know just you know I, I struggle with this because sometimes my life doesn't line up with the integrity that's necessary that somehow or other goes along with the message and everybody has an expectation of what i'm supposed to be like uh cindy you are absolutely wonderful and uh Stu, what are your thoughts for cindy cindy it's i i just thought it was great that you've got a passionate to reach your family and it sounds like that you need a bit of equipping to learn how to actually share the gospel and maybe some apologetics to be able to answer some of their questions because i think that for you you're the only bible that that some of your family will ever read they've indicated they don't want to go along to church but they will engage with you so if you can answer some of their questions but that takes a bit of equipping it takes some some time and, and research to be able to do that um, I'd recommend you get a, get my app, which is the G7 app. Uh, you can get it from the App Store or for Android or for iPhone uh, because yep. that will actually teach you to – there's an internal tutorial in the app and it will teach you how to clearly articulate the gospel. And it's all the jargon-free, so we get rid of all the jargon and make it easy for people to understand. And you just tap your way through it, read and tap your way through it. Now, that would be great to do with some family members. But what I'm loving about you, Cindy, is that you've got, you're, you're trying to engage, you're trying to reach your family. There's a passion there. You want to see them make it into heaven. You're concerned about them. You've got that compassion. With many Christians, unfortunately, it seems that they, they may have the techniques, but they don't have the passion. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in, I think it's more important to have the passion because you'll give it a go. Um, and so for you, it's just a matter of learning um, a bit of apologetics and, and uh, particularly learning how to share, clearly articulate the gospel. And I think that you will, you will, you've got you know, a great amount of uh, people that you can share with in your life. And while I've got you, Cindy, uh, just to pick yep. up on something and we'll, we'll get a, a few more thoughts from Stu here. Uh, the idea of heaven and hell uh, sometimes we can be exuberant about you know we're all going to heaven when we know Jesus uh, if we don't know Jesus we're heading to the other place uh, some people are actually offended by that or people think of heaven and hell in different ways some people think of it like it's like a fairy tale or something like that mm -hmm. but but what do you think Stu of the value of heaven and hell in a conversation about the gospel message a proclamation? Mm -hmm. Uh, is this a relevant part of it? 
Mm. Well, I mean, our presentation does talk about heaven and hell. Um, and so I think it's important to tell the truth um, that there is a, a judgment coming, that there is a consequence for our actions. Because if we just leave it that God loves you and, you know, we try to sort of attract people uh, rather than telling them the truth, I think it's a bad strategy. I'll give you an example. Imagine that you're sitting on a railway tracks and you're, you're, you've got an iPad, iPod in your ears, you're listening to music and you're reading a magazine and there's a train coming and it's about to run you over. I can see it coming in the distance. It's about a kilometre away. And I go and I wave out to you. I say, Neil, Neil, uh, come over here. Look, it's much nicer on the grass. And you go, no, I'm fine, mate. I'm, f- I'm fine. And, we go, and I put down a picnic blanket and I bring out some brie cheese and some sparkling grape juice. Look, Neil, come and have some food, you know, and I try to attract you over. Anyone watching that would think I'm an idiot. They'd go, what are you doing trying to attract him to he- here? Tell him the truth. There's a train coming. It's going to run him over if he doesn't get off the tracks. And that's, in a sense, you know, when we're talking about heaven and hell, we're actually being honest and saying, one day you will stand before mighty God. You will have to give an account of your life. He will judge you. But through Jesus Christ. Through I've Jesus. got another question. You know, you know how the, um, in the Asian countries, especially China, where they persecuted for even um, sharing, so they, a lot of them don't know about Jesus. How do they get saved if they don't even know the name of Jesus? You know, is, I've been told it's before they die, God gives them a you know some vision, and then they get to choose. But I, if they've never heard, never been preached to, where do they go? Oh, they are certainly getting preached to, Cindy. There's an underground church that is huge in China and people are moving discreetly and telling people the gospel. They have to be very careful because, you know, they can get put in prison and all sorts of things can happen to them. But uh, there's certainly a lot of proclamation going on. It's, it's done a lot more relationally in China because they can't stand on a street corner and just preach, <laughs> but they have to actually be engaged in people's lives. But that's another encouragement for us as Christians. We need to engage in the lives of non-Christians and be able to share Christ. Cindy, thank you so much for your call. And 1-800-316-316 to be able to join in our conversation. Uh, There is a question on our Facebook page too you can respond to. Is there anything you can identify in Aussie Christians that keeps them from being passionate about sharing their faith with others. Uh, You can find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio and 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You can help direct where our conversation goes. A heart-to-heart conversation about this issue of what ingredients make up the proclamation of the gospel, and is there something lacking in us Aussies? One of the things we started to talk about, Stu, was the idea that it's there's something contagious about mm. a passion for sharing the gospel. That's and right. even if you're, and it was just so wonderful hearing from Cindy, mm. who who admits that she hasn't got it all together, but boy, she's passionate about that. Mm. Uh, this idea of a contagiousness, mm. something that we catch from others. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of ways we can catch that. One one is by hearing people's stories, and the other way is by actually going out with someone who shares the gospel and, and witnessing it, uh, because it's caught, not taught. You, you, you catch that passion. Um, I think, you know, when, you, when we think of compassion for others, you know, we're compassionate about others. We actually care about them. We love them. We want to see them in heaven. Um, and I... To be honest, I'll be honest, I don't always feel compassion for the lost, for those who don't know Christ. When I'm praying, I don't always feel that compassion. 
I can pray and say, God, give me a compassion, but I've, I've never had an experience, you know, supernatural experience where I've just been doused in compassion for people. I find that that compassion comes when I actually start sharing Christ with people, when I go beyond myself and I reach out to those who don't know Christ and I start hearing their stories, I start hearing that they're on their way to hell, they're, they're, not, they're not on their way to heaven, they don't know God, and that's when my heart goes out to them, and that's when I feel the compassion. And so I think there's a mixture of engaging with non-Christians gives you, gives you passion, or seeing someone engage with non-Christians if you go out with someone who is passionate, and also hearing people's stories. Now, what do I mean by that? Like, You hear someone's testimony shared at church, and you get excited about the fact that they've gone from darkness to light. They've come to know Christ, and, and it sort of reminds you of what life was like because sometimes we can just be in our Christian bubble and we just think this is how it is, but we've got to realize that all of us have come from a, a point where we didn't know Christ, and we've got to think back at what our lives were like and what lives, what people's lives are like who don't know Christ and that gives us a sense of compassion. And Stu, uh, lots of people calling to get through. Why don't we take some calls and uh, we'll see where listeners uh, would like to go. Uh, Dale is in Woods Reef in New South Wales. Hello, Dale. Welcome along. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What are your um, thoughts? I have, I have a question. I have, um, um, I have quite a struggle uh, as the last lady. I am um, the only Christian in my family. Um, and my husband has um, come through the Catholic system and I've had quite down-to-earth talks with him and he'll just just blatantly say, just because you believe it, it doesn't... It's, that's not what I believe, so it's not, not going to be right. I'm not... I don't have a problem with going... You thinking I'm going to hell. Well, this is, a, this is an interesting one and I'll, uh, I'll get Stu's impression on this, but uh, I think you can short-circuit... Uh, the difference in denominations, say you're Protestant and your husband is Catholic, if you say our faith is based on the same Bible and then come back to what the Bible teaches about salvation because, uh, because yes, it's easy for someone coming from a different denomination to say, well, we do things a little bit different as Catholics than what you Protestants do over there or uh, vice versa. We do different things as Protestants to what you Catholics do and you've got this division, but that thing that does unite us still is the Bible. But, uh, Stu, mm. what are your thoughts for Dale? Yeah, I, I would. I was going to say something very, very similar, actually. It, basically, you don't want it to be your opinion versus his opinion. You want to be, mm. well, what does the Bible say to us? Both of us are sinners. Both of us need Jesus, you know, and, and Jesus has died on the cross to pay the punishment for it our sins <laughs> it's not just it's not me versus you protestantism versus catholicism it becomes this is god uh you know and his universe he is the truth what he says is right this is what it says in the bible um what does the bible say to us one of the beautiful things um and i found this with sharing with my own parents um who when we got saved in our teenage years um, they thought they were Christians and, and we, we were sort of trying to suggest to them that they were not and then they got very offended with us uh, as happens in family and I'm, I'm sensing the oh. same thing as potentially happened with you and your husband. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so they were like, well, what are you saying? That I'm not as good as you or, you know, I don't believe the same things as you so I'm not going to go to heaven and, and, uh, and it was all 
it was sort of like that. It became a me versus them, or I had two brothers that became a Christian as well, and it was the same with them. But it wasn't actually until I showed them the G7 that it was a completely different spirit because I, I you know, the start of the, the, the I said to my dad, I said, look, there's something really important to me that I've been wanting to share with you for some time, and I, I'm really nervous about it. So I came in a vulnerable sort of spirit. I didn't come, Dad, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Sit down and shut up and listen. Uh, so you come in humility, and then when you show them the, the G7, it's what the what the Bible says to us. And it was like, well, I've done this. Have you? Yes, we're in the same boat here. And it really is the spirit and the way it's, it's done is really the Bible speaking to the, the two of us, not an argument between me and Dad. And by the end of the, the, the time, and this happened with Mum and Dad, I did it separately, by the end of the presentation, I asked them the question, if you were to die, where would you go? And both of them straight away said hell. There wasn't any argument. There wasn't. They didn't need to convince them or tell them they were. It was a self-discovery based on what the Bible says that then has led consequently to my mum receiving Christ, which is great, and my dad is very close. And so pray for my dad if you're listening. <laughs> He's still not there, but, uh, but for the first time in his life, he actually acknowledged that he wasn't right with God, and so he actually clearly understands that. Before it was a, a point of, uh, you know, contention, but now it's like, well, okay, I can see that that's what the Bible says, and so then it's not an argument. Does that help, Dale? Uh, yes, it does. But um, I, when I did say to Peter that it's this is what the Bible says, he said it's just a book. <laughs> right. You know, there's something I occasionally like to draw attention to with the idea of the new birth. And, you know, sometimes Catholics will say, oh, you talk about that being born again. And uh, that's not what we teach in the Catholic Church. That's actually a fallacy. Uh, Catholics don't have a problem with being born again. Mm -hmm. And uh, to illustrate that, uh, we can look at the American nation. You know, there's 330 million Americans, and uh, it's uh, predominantly evangelical Christian. But, of course, the Catholic uh, uh, contingent in the United States is huge. And uh, the interesting way to describe this is that if you talk about the biggest denomination that teaches the new birth and that have their, their converts are born again, I'm pretty sure it's a Southern Baptist or Church of God. I'll, I'll have to confirm that. But it's, it's one of those Protestant denominations. You know, the mm. second biggest contingent of people who say they are born again in America? Catholics. Wow. Mm. So let that be an encouragement, I think, Dale, uh, that uh, come back to a Bible foundation and and uh, be sensitive. And I love what Stu says, uh, vulnerability, mm. instead of uh, waving around a placard and saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I think that's always going to be a key, too, with people who come from different denominational backgrounds. And let's not write off uh, people who who are Catholic. Lots of people who are Catholic listening to our conversation now, going, sure. you know, of course, uh, you know, of course, the Bible has such credibility. Mm. Uh, it is the authoritative book, and yes, mm. we might think look at things a little differently, but uh, but actually, it's still the book that is something we have in common as yes. our foundation for uh, all of the authority that we would see in God. But Dale, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Dorothy is in Margate in Queensland. Hello, Dorothy. Uh, hello. Hey, hello? Dorothy. Hey, welcome hello? along. 
Dorothy, what are your yes. thoughts? Oh, hello. Very interesting what Gail was saying because um, I come from a Catholic background myself and um, growing up I never heard of the word um, born again either. <laughs> Mind you, back in the day, none of us actually held a Bible to know what the word said. Um, yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, and interesting this morning... Um, you know, I was, I was doing a little Bible study and I've been reading from the book um, from Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, mm. um, and found, you know, like some really inter- interesting, I was reading the chapter on Christianity is a factual faith, Christianity is a historical faith. Um, and one thing within the, um, it's our relation, it's a relationship with Christ, it's not a religion, and growing up in the Catholic faith, it, it was like, it was religion. It, there was no relationship. You'd look at what Christ went through on the on the cross, going to that, you know, on the walls. You'd see him going to the cross. But you never got beyond the cross. And historically, how Christ revealed himself to believers and non-believers over a 40-day period of the risen Christ, our risen hope and um yeah, in saying that, um, it's about relationship. It's about coming back into relationship through Christ to our Heavenly Father where we've been detached from love. And to know Him is is, is all about intimacy, not about religion, mm. not about works. The Catholic faith was, I found, um, that you thought you were saved because you went to the Catholic Church and it didn't matter what you did through the rest of the week as long as you turned up at the Catholic Church on Sunday. And, um, yeah, it's it's about his... Um, Dorothy, you make um, some wonderful points actually there in uh, this idea of relationship versus religiosity. And yeah. uh, we could broaden that uh, to those even evangelical Protestant churches and say people who've Absolutely. grown up in those could be considered to be yeah. cultural Christians. We often use that terminology. So this relationship is something that always needs this uh, fresh renewal. But uh, Stu, what are your thoughts for Dorothy? Oh, absolutely, and I think you know this is a common thing that uh, many of our listeners will will find that there's a, a reaction from from those that don't go to church. They don't want to become a part of an institution or an organisation or a religion. But when you talk to them about relationship with Jesus, that's a completely different thing. Uh, they actually quite open to having a relationship with the Creator of the universe. Uh, but joining a church or thing, there's there's quite a resistance there. But um, yeah, uh, as the Holy Spirit opens up people's hearts uh, and we talk about that relationship with Jesus and we share the gospel with them, uh, amazing things happen. So um, good on you, Dorothy. Dorothy, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's keep taking some calls. Nick is in St Albans in Victoria. Hello, Nick. Welcome along. Hello, uh, Mr. Neil, or just simply Neil? Just Neil is fine. Neil, uh, another day when I talk to you, you cut me heavily because I was going to (laughs) tell a few things, and I ask you to die to give me five to seven minutes to talk and to express what I think about 
Nick, I can't promise I'm going to give you five to seven minutes because that cuts everybody else short. But what I often will say, and and I do always apologise if I do seem to cut listeners off early, oftentimes when there's a lot of people calling through, uh, I do want to hear one point, the main point that you want to make uh, so that we can comment on that. But uh, you don't always have an opportunity to have five or seven minutes. But Nick, what's what's the main thing you'd love to share? The main thing is, Neil, is this. I, 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 I listen to your program now and then, and this morning for about half an hour now, I'm listening what people are saying, what you say, and the gentleman with you saying. In the first place, Bible is a biblical instruction before leaving earth. Biblical instruction before leaving earth. Because give, God give us a time to, to, um, to work for Him. I'm saying that because in my country, in Serbia, ex-communist country, I mean with another few republic, the pastor on the street and, uh, and he, they're preaching, but it was forbidden, you know, but they, they do that quickly. And the man, after, after he finished, come to him and said, listen, we have to put you in the jail. He said, why, sir? He said, because if it's true what you're saying about the end of the world and catastrophe they come in, we have to put in the co- in the in the jail. Uh, Neil, I start my Bible from six day of creation, and the seventh day God bless, sacred and rest. Uh, one of the the first uh, I could say uh, 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 preacher, uh, I should say uh, 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 priest, high priest from Germany, uh, said one sentence: solo Bible. Only Bible, meaning in the sixth day of creation, I don't want to preach, but in the one sentence, in the sixth day of creation, God put so much of physics, mathematics, biology, and uh, chem- chemistry. And that's another point. But the point is this, how, I, how my church works. In Belgrade and New York only, we have buses extra big, and uh, people collect, or I should say, helps people from the street, sitting and, and trembling from cold and hung, hung, uh, hungry to cut their hair, to have a shower, to have a food, and to have, um, and to have uh, 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 better cloth. So, uh, we plan here in St. Albans, but not in St. in Sedon Church, to do the same thing, but we need probably $100,000, but we started. Nick, I think listeners can hear the passion of your heartbeat, and you're describing the gospel as accompanying not just a message, not just the foundation of the scriptures. And when you say sola Bible, sola scriptura, that's something that came out of, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Germany. But Mm. uh, what you're saying is what accompanies that is the work that goes along with it, the helping people uh, who are in hard times uh, to actually get back on their feet. But I'm going to cut you a little bit short here, but uh, Stu, what are your thoughts? Because there are elements here in the gospel Mm. 
and this demonstration of love that comes as as so is wonderfully uh, articulated by Nick. This is another in- ingredient that's necessary, isn't it? Absolutely. And we were talking before about that journey of someone coming to know Christ. And there's a whole lot of many and varied factors in that journey that brings them to the point of of receiving Christ. Uh, One of them has to be a clear articulation of the gospel. They need to know why they need to be saved, how Jesus can save us and what they need to do in order to be saved. Uh, But the works of the gospel is, is often things that draws people to that point. And so just distinguishing between the works of the gospel and the words of the gospel, both are very, very important. Both uh, are very, very needed. But um, I do find that as churches, we are often fixated on the works of the gospel. We've got our food banks and our counselling services and our op shops and our you know all these things that we're, that we're trying to reach out and connect, which is absolutely commendable. But when you ask people, what are you doing to actually articulate the gospel message? Then often there's a, a you know chip it uh, crickets chirping at that point. So they've got to, it's got to, it's not either or. I'm not promoting one above the other. I'm just saying when we've got to have both. We've got to love people and use the work, works of the gospel, but also love people enough to share the gospel message with them so that they can be saved. And when you have those works that are happening, and oftentimes, Mm. as you say, Stu, local churches are very good at this. Mm. Uh, They'll have food banks. They'll have ways of delivering bread into Mm. uh, situations and homes where that's really needed. Or they're Mm. providing breakfasts at sporting events or schools or however that works uh, involved in schools, involved in all sorts of different activities. That's actually a warm audience ready for someone who wants to be able to articulate this gospel message because just like Nick says, that's the thing that introduces people Mm. to the opportunity of hearing the gospel Mm. and such a powerful thing can happen there. And sometimes we miss what's obvious in front of us as the opportunity. Nick, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it. Don't be afraid to call in. And uh, I'll try not to cut you too short each time, but uh, you had a lot to say. And uh, I want to thank you, though. You did share some uh, really great stuff. Thanks so much, Nick. Let's keep taking some calls. Carol is on the line from New South Wales. Hi, Carol. Yes, uh, good morning. God bless you, brothers. Yeah, good call from Nick. Um, Paul said, um, you know, his works don't convert him, but after he's converted, our works of good works and helping others show that we are Christians. So, yes. But getting back to that point of originally going out and speaking to people, um, I'm 70 years old now, and I was painfully shy, painfully shy as uh, growing up until I was about 38. But um, I studied the Word of God. I studied Billy Graham's works, uh, R.A. Torrey's, uh, everything I could get to my hands on about evangelism and study the book of Acts. And what I learned is to be, to depend upon the Holy Spirit yes. and to commit my way unto the Lord and then he would direct my steps. But my job was to be like a tape recorder. I don't mean um, have have a have a see you know one two three this is it but to to speak the word of god because the 
Holy Spirit goes out and convicts the person. You may not feel it, not to go by your own feelings. My knees would shake just about together and I'd stutter and stammer, but I would keep going because it wasn't me. I had to die to me and depend on the Christ in me to encourage me to speak the words that were going to be taken out of my mouth and then the Holy Spirit would convict the hearer of sin, of righteousness and of judgment to come and his word is quick and powerful, it's alive and living word that goes into the heart of the hearer and convicts them and we have to not depend on our own intellect but we are to be like they said about Jesus' disciples they were unlearned and ignorant men but they knew they had been with Jesus because they did the works and loved people and I would I drive now two hours to go and minister to people and I have tears rolling down my eyes as I see all this traffic coming and I say how many of these are saved and going to heaven so I have a burning fire in my heart to tell people about Jesus and just say hello to someone I did the other day at Ride Shopping Centre I said hi to the cleaner how are you darling now she didn't realise I was talking to her she was from Bangladesh and oh she turned around oh you're talking to me and I said do you know that Jesus loves you that he died on the cross for your sins and I just said so lovingly and she took it in and she was on her way but I gave her the message Diane when we talk about (laughs) you know how contagious things are uh, your passion is absolutely beautiful and uh, I know that listeners Mm. uh, they can hear that that passion they can hear that contagiousness of uh, what it is to have something that's welling up in you and I love the supernatural dimension of what Mm. you're expressing there Diane because it is God Mm. who is building his church he's the one who's extending his kingdom and he's the one who's setting up the opportunity sometimes we just sometimes we feel like it's all our own strength that we've got a role in here but uh, a quick uh, a very quick thought for uh, for Diane from you Stu yeah absolutely I agree with you it's not about our techniques or our our methods at the end of the day it's the Holy Spirit that's uh, that leading us and impacting and convicting the world of guilt in regard to sin righteousness judgment as you as you mentioned and uh, we need to rely on God and that's why prayer is so important prayer and evangelism are two keys that have to go together um, but you know Diane as I listen carefully sorry, to what I've, got you to, said, I've just got to jump here uh, sure. sorry about this Carol I'm talking to Carol actually it's Carol who's oh sorry was on here and sorry uh, no, it's my fault okay, sorry sorry Carol, Carol. We we got your name wrong. Uh, I apologise, um, Carol. One thing that I that I when I was listening carefully to what you said because I was fascinated by the fact that you said that you were really really shy until you were thirty eight, and then at, at, you read books about Billy Graham and you read the Book of Acts and you read everything you could get hand on. And now look at you. You're passionate. You're out there. You're you're sharing with complete strangers. You're you're engaging people and sharing the gospel. And I just sort of think if you can do it, someone who was painfully shy, then any of the listeners here today that are going, oh, I don't know whether I have the gift of the gab, I think I'm an introvert, I, don't, I think I'm too shy, 
anyone can do it. But what really fascinates me is the fact that you you did something about it. You decided I need to do something here, and you read books on bodily growth. And we're having this conversation about what what helps us to become passionate. What helped you to become passionate seemed to be when you engaged with those books about from Billy Graham and and other other sources. And something obviously welled up inside of you and, and it was a change. Was that right? Well, you see, I started to read my Bible when I was eight years of age. Yeah. And I was in a family that was very wealthy, but I was abused. And uh, so it, it, I planned my own suicide when I was 20. Wow. And I was in Bible college at the time. But wow. in those days, uh, you you kept everything internally and you would never tell a soul. Yes. And so uh, that was pushed down. And uh, it came to the stage where I couldn't bear uh, the persecution and uh, the terrible cruelty uh, in my home and um, keeping it all quiet. And so I planned that. But I was already saved. I was saved at 12. Mm. But I loved my family and I covered up. And uh, and I prayed for them. But at the end, I led my mum to the Lord on a deathbed. She screamed out, pray for me. Brought yes. my dad to the Lord three weeks before he died. I loved them and forgave them. The yes. love of God is the most powerful thing. Yes. So I was in business. I was a CEO, director of two companies, and so on. And so I've been, you know, uh, I could do that secular work. But still, I was very, very shy with people And um, t- up until I was 38. And my husband died, and then I realized I had wow. to go out and talk with people. But uh, God has done a work in my life where I have completely depended upon a living Jesus that is real to me. Carol, to have a real relationship. I've got to cut you off, but uh, I know you are an absolute encouragement to so many listeners today. Carol, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Wonderful, wonderful to hear your story. And it's a story of uh, God rescuing you out of circumstances and uh, when you were suicidal and uh, taking you from that shyness uh, to make you quite a uh, just an exuberant uh messenger, servant of the Most High God, and uh, just absolutely excited about that. So thank you so much for your call. We have run out of time, Stu. Mm. Uh, I do want to point listeners, uh, sometimes, I mean, as you can hear, listeners are affected in different ways Mm. by a conversation like this. And Mm. some will be saying, well, how do I just get this proclamation of the gospel worked out first? Uh, Then let that passion come. Uh, Let there be a supernatural experience in God Mm. so that I might be able to articulate this message of the gospel and to bring others into the kingdom, bring Mm. others to Christ. There are free resources on your site, Stu Miller. Yep. Uh, the G7 app people can download for and, uh, mm-hmm. and makes that a little bit easier if you're yes. very, very shy and not able to articulate the gospel uh, without it. G7 sure. app. There's also free resources. There is a DVD series you have, Reaching mm-hmm. People That You Don't Know. Yes. Uh, and uh, lots of free resources, but there's one there you can get. Uh, there's a, a DVD series you can get from the Vision Store. I think it's fifteen dollars. Yep, a small group resource. So That's, there's there's all yep. sorts of resources you can get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Go go to our website traintoproclaim.com, or just go to the app store uh, if you've got if you're looking for the G7 app. 
uh, Android or or uh, uh, iOS, doesn't matter. Just go to your app store and type in G for gospel and 7 for 7 minutes and uh, you'll find it. Uh, but yeah, great resources on the website and uh, do get a hold of that DVD, if, particularly if you are a leader of a small group or a part of a small group in your church. It's a great um, you know, series to go through with your group and hopefully that will help give you a passion for evangelism as well. And if you don't know what to say, uh, simply start an energetic conversation because as you yep. can hear, everyone wants to say what they feel yes. and together in that conversation, good mm. things will happen. TrainToProclaim.com. Stu Miller, always so good getting your insights. Thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.